0: Hello, my high friends. I'm so excited you are here and have an incredible guest to introduce today. So today we have Dr. Nita Bhushan, Um, as co-founder of the Global Grit Institute, a mental health training platform for leaders and coaches, co-founder of the Dharma Coaching Institute, training thousands to live their best life and a thriving coach in her own right. Uh, Dr. Anita Bushan has helped thousands of people move past their heartbreaks, failures, and disappointments. And after years of research into human behavior, observing people in their worst and best moments, being a mother of two small children, and failing more than a few times herself, Anita knows what it takes to get back up no matter who bowled you over. Her new book, That Sucked Now What, is a real talk guide to personal growth that draws on uh, and embraces the suck and helps you get breakthrough to lasting, audacious resilience. So, welcome, Nita. Oh, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me, love. Of course. Um, so, I'm so excited to have you on, and I have so many questions, but I want to start by just asking you kind of how you got to um, what you're doing today.
1: Yeah, wow. I can start in several different ways, and hmm, what's coming up today is you. Know, I, I think that really understanding and alchemizing kind of a lot of how I grew up and a lot of the grit and resilience in terms of loss. And I I grew up in Chicago and I had to grow up fast. And, you know, the, the losses that I had to face early on, I was a child caretaker at 10. And I think that, you know, a lot of times when you're faced with adversity so early in life, you there's a mindset that for at least for myself, I had to really check in. And now I have the tools and now I have, you know, to to experience a full contrast on the other side. Back then when I was 10, back then when I was 16, losing my mom, back then when I was 17, losing my brother, back then when I was 19, losing my dad, I didn't have those tools. So my coping mechanism was survivalship and surviving. And it was doing and like running the rat race of life and trying to do and do and do as much as I could to literally get out of, you know, the 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 metaphor of like a quicksand. And that's mm-hmm. literally what my early stages of my life was. I needed to get out of the quicksand because otherwise it was going to pull me in. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until I would. And essentially bury a lot of my feelings for that decade of my life because I was in survival mode. I was uh, orphaned at 19 and then had to really take care of my youngest brother, who was 14 at the time. We had a lot of amazing uh, relatives, but it wasn't until a decade later that I would get into my own sucky moment mm-hmm. and situation of, of another crossroads And this time it wasn't loss. It was, I guess you can say losing myself in a way, Mm -hmm. Um, but confronting the feelings of just being in a toxic relationship and and losing yourself because you so badly want to recreate a family that you've lost. So -hmm. you're going to do whatever you can. And I think for me, that was really the turning point uh, that would then shift the trajectory of my life. Um, I was a cosmetic dentist. I had all of the world trappings from the outside. It looked like I had a perfect life, this perfect marriage, but I was hiding a lot. And I was hiding my biggest and greatest fears, which was, Mm -hmm. they will find out. What if... They will judge me and think I'm broken. And, you know, all of the things that I like worked so hard to get out of that quicksand. Mm. It was slowly coming back, and the quicksand was getting up to my neck at this point until I had to make a change. And that was coming. Com- out of the proverbial closet of, of saying, and really addressing and sharing that, okay, I was in an abusive relationship Mm. and, uh, getting the courage and the bravery to leave Mm. and, uh, which has really informed, um, the books that I write. I have now found love again and, Mm. you know, kind of a decade later, really using my, you know, thirties as a way to mend come back to myself and also unravel the things that were no longer in alignment with me, which was my career as a cosmetic dentist, Mm -hmm. uh, which I had amazing success at, but it wasn't really me. And I found that the more I started sharing my story, Mm -hmm. which of course has alchemized into helping people understand their emotional health Mm -hmm. and the stories of their past to then transform it in Gems of gold, and this book that I've been so um, uh, fortunate to write in this stage and season of my life is really around motherhood, and mm-hmm. you know, understanding the 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 highs and lows. I mean, mm-hmm. the book is called "That Suck Now What," but it's embracing the joy, of the chaos, and finding magic in the mess. And really, what I mean by that is, well, I had two kids, um, one in the pandemic as well as you know being pregnant and uh and and having a toddler on top of it and so it was that when i experienced the complete contrast of survival from when i was young to then the beauty of oh wow i have these two little beings that are now dependent on me it's a different grit it's a mm-hmm. different resiliency because you're not sleeping because mm-hmm. They're having toddler meltdowns all the time, and all of the things and all emotions. But it really allowed me to then process and grieve in many different ways. My identity and reinventing myself yet again Mm -hmm. in this season and stage of life. Now knowing all of the tools that I used to have as my coping mechanism Mm -hmm. of what I like to call toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you know what's what's being you know in the forefront toxic positivity. But I think that was my coping mechanism because the opposite of that is like falling into, you know, addictions and different behaviors. And while I was a workaholic, I knew that with these little ones that I needed to make a different decision and we were going to play and why not? Like, all right, that sucked. Now, what are we going to do about it? And how can we uh, play with the emotions that exist at the same time? like we could be scared, yet excited. We can be having a blast, yet we can also feel the sadness of whatever Mm -hmm. else is going on in our life. And it wasn't until having not just my first child, but my daughter to really bring a lot of these feelings up to the surface, which is why I wanted to normalize that and normalize Mm -hmm. the heavy and the fun and the chaotic and the magical because they can coexist at the same time.
0: Well, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'm just sitting here like. It is completely obvious why I was drawn to you to have you on this podcast, because as you're kind of chatting about, you know, the ups and downs of mom and being a mother, like, you know, and being in motherhood, um, that very much resonates with me as well as a lot of individuals in my audience as well. Um, And that idea of those coping mechanisms, I really like that you shared about that because man, as a counselor, this is like a daily conversation I have, right? We talk a lot about coping mechanisms and how we can handle these things because it's kind of this idea that we were born with all these amazing coping skills and we just know how to get through life. And the reality is we don't, and we are not supposed to do it on our own. And we're supposed to learn from our parents and other people in our lives, but that's not always the case. And so, I want to kind of start out the conversation there with asking about, like you said, you know, your toxic positivity was your coping mechanism. What mechanism? What are really some coping skills that um, help with having like these conflicting emotions and um, that you've kind of found when in your writing and also working with other people? Yeah, so I have
1: a lot of different tools and I, I share many of them inside of the book. And I think the biggest one that I kind of want to draw here is I have tactical practices and breathwork practices that we can mm-hmm. kind of go over but I think it's also what I've learned and kind of integrated now in my work, and especially in this book, because my first book, Emotional Grit, it was mental. It mm-hmm. was a lot of the to-dos and like the checks, you know, the check marks in my in the boxes. And my daughter is playing downstairs. So you might hear well, a little that's bit okay, of her. No worries.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: and and I think that, you know, now it's they've given me language so that we actually can stomp out, you know, like a dinosaur, stomp out when we're feeling these big emotions. Mm. And, you know, if you take any two-year-old toddler there. (laughs) They're going to have big emotions and it's going to go from like one extreme to the other. They're going to be playing and they're going to want this toy or this candy or whatever. And if they don't get it, they're going to wail and scream and cry. And we've all been there right at the grocery store or parking lot or whatnot. And it's just like, okay, great. And many times (laughs) it's in front of people that you probably don't want it to be. (laughs) And so, you know, what are we reacting to? Well, we're also reacting to like, oh my gosh. Or if, Whatever your coping mechanism was like, oh, gosh, am I going to look really bad? So Mm -hmm. then you start to get fluttered. You start to get anxious. Maybe your armpits start to sweat. Your hands Mm -hmm. start to get. But then what about the two year old? Well, they're having their own emotions and Mm -hmm. they don't Mm -hmm. give a flying. They don't care. Mm -hmm. And they're just having their moment. And so. You know, I think we were taught to suppress. We were taught Mm -hmm. not to cry, or at least that was, you know, many of the people that I know. Mm -hmm. And And so then we tend to suppress, dumb it down, hide, bury it, get ashamed, and kind of put it in a closet, kind of like what I did Mm -hmm. for a decade of my life until something else comes to the forefront. But if we're paying attention to the two-year-old kid, and if they're just having their moment after five minutes, it's going to process through their body because they've shaken it. They've processed it. They're probably yelling and screaming, which means they're activating their throat chakra, their, their vagus nerve, which is connected to from our brain to our gut, little, mm-hmm. you know, anatomy session here. And there's a lot of studies around activating the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? Well, uh, you know, one of the tools that I use that's inside the book is I say, okay, grab a pillow and scream into the pillow. And many of you moms out there probably have heard this to tell your kid if they're mad and not getting their toy, go ahead and take the pillow off the couch and scream to the pillow. Okay, what does that do? It activates our vagus nerve. If -hmm. we actually can do this, hmm, and just the buzzing sound of, hmm. And I'm. Mo- I know it sounds a little crazy, mm-hmm. listening to this. But really, if you think about it, chanting, singing, allowing yourself to express, mm-hmm. saying. Uh, I have a girlfriend that has a saying. She says, "Say it out loud." Mm-hmm. And uh, this idea of just being able to say it out loud. I there's a there's another a uh, tool inside the book that you can actually do. And this is great for driving around. Now, this I discovered during COVID, of course, you mm-hmm. know, when you couldn't go anywhere and you're and so my husband and I would take turns to literally, okay, if you need a moment, because it was in the in the flux of everything, mm-hmm. you go take the car around, go drive tr- Ever go drive and do your thing, and it would be, you know, talk therapy out loud just by yourself mm-hmm. because you needed to get away and you needed to get that space. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think during that time, a lot of people and we supported a lot of folks within our community at Global Grid Institute because it is a mental health platform for leaders and entrepreneurs. But to really get that space, whether it's mm-hmm. in the closet somewhere and saying the things out loud, but what you're doing is you're activating that vagus nerve. Again, is this a coping mechanism? These are tools and these are rituals that you can actually take and exercises that you can use. Mm-hmm. So that we're not resorting to screening at the two-year-old, right? That we can actually emotionally regulate yourself. Mm -hmm. This is emotional regulation 101 Mm -hmm. that I'm taking you through. Humming, singing, chanting. And my favorite is breath work. Mm -hmm. Now, if we can actually allow ourselves to sit and even close our eyes for a second, as I am right now, but if you can just even put your hand on your heart and when you are feeling... Overwhelmed when you are feeling stressed, when you are feeling that oh man, things are just not going my way, hold yourself for a second, put your hand over your heart. And I started doing this to just okay, not just protecting your energy because mm-hmm. when you're dealing with the chaos of kids and you want to say something and you know your humanness, your humanity is coming out and you're like, I'm gonna lose it. You can take a breath or two, or three, and I have um, tactics here inside the book, and that's like, now what? But this is a simple one. It's just a gentle reminder that you got this, mm. I got this. And, and when you put your hand over your heart, your heart space, and you're just taking a moment to just be. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do, but to just be. And that's what has come up during, you know, the stage of motherhood where we can't control what our kids are going to do. We probably don't want to either, right? right. If we're playing the long game, mm-hmm. the short game, it's easy to react and things. But what's so difficult about the emotional regulation piece is that it requires a unlearn and detangle and detach a lot of the patterning and the ways that have been programmed in our minds for 20, 30, 40 years, right? Mm -hmm. And that is the work. And I think in that, can you have compassion for yourself during Mm -hmm. this process? And so that is really what I, I talk a lot about in the book. There's two Uh, specific tools that I talk about, the bounce factor, Mm -hmm. as well as flying forward. And what I mean by that, uh, it's it's really being able to understand, okay, when things don't go your way, but then also how to make sense and how to make meaning when inevitably are going to not go your way all the time Mm -hmm. and how to emotionally regulate at each and every point and also normalizing those ways so that we don't fall back into those coping mechanisms that feel safe and they're Mm. easy. It's harder to take a moment, take a step back and say, okay, I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to get triggered, but I am getting triggered. So to validate those emotions, but to give yourself the space so that you can actually experience them and Mm. not judge them.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think what you just said highlighted kind of the underlying factor of all that you just shared of really it's we need to be experiencing our emotions and validate that it's appropriate and that every emotion has a space in a healthy life. And so I really like that you kind of discussed, you know, these different tools of grounding, specifically the idea of just being, um, because I know too, I think, you know, one thing that I'll notice with a lot of my clients, if their moms are, you know, just busy humans, right? We've all got so much going on, is that when we talk about doing a coping mechanism, our brain goes to that do pattern, right? It's like, what do I have to do? What do I have to set aside and put on my to-do list so that I can actually do it? And we don't go back into that place of just being. And when we do that, it's powerful because then we can go back, like you said, you know, with driving the car, just going and doing and having that like time with yourself where you are talking out loud. I love that idea. Um, And getting out of your head, getting out of your body, letting that play, we can come back and address things, like you said, in a lot healthier of a way where we aren't exploding, where we aren't stuffing. We're we're really having that space to experience. And also that big piece, like I said, at the very end, the validation of the experience of the emotion that is really, really important. So I love that, um, that you're highlighting that piece. And I'm curious too, can you explain a little bit more what the bounce factor and the fly forward framework look like? I'm curious, kind of a little bit more information about that.
1: Yeah. So, in uh, so the part one of the book, we explore what the bounce is. And, you know, I've shared, people always ask, well, how do you build resilience? And that sounds so masculine. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, does it mean that we have to have a tough exterior? And moms ask all the time when I actually do this talk with high schools and, you know, even primary schools can you can you teach resiliency do they have to go through tough times mm. uh you know how can, how can i prepare my child right that's kind of the the talk right and so the idea that the bounce factor came about is kind of looking at a lot of the research as how people you know gain resiliency what mm. what are hallmarks of that and i kind of want to say maybe neetha 1.0 would have said sure you have to have a tough exterior in order to bounce back. But really, when you think of resiliency, it is your bounciness. It is your ability to flex and be agile. And what comes to mind for me is like, you know, if you've ever seen kind of the Cirque du Soleil or um, aerial dancers, and basically they're kind of you know floating up in the air and they have like their silk scarves that they're like doing backflips and you know if they're with a partner and you can just imagine that with their partner they're you know turning together and tumbling across each other and it's just it's a it's a beautiful way that they can kind of ebb and flow back and forth mm-hmm. well if you think about it she had to be flexible to dance in this way with her partner she's not going to be rigid mm-hmm. so that when she falls she breaks mm-hmm but she's allowing the bounce back and forth. And literally it's a dance. And so how I approach it now is it is this beautiful dance of four different components in your life. And it starts with your upbringing. Hmm. How are you? what were your relationships? So that's the first step. Uh, What were your relationships with the people closest to you in your life, your caregivers, your siblings, if you had any, or or the the first relationships, your grandparents, your aunt and uncle, whoever was there, your teacher that you still remember when you were little. How was it that were males and females treated differently? growing up. I know that for culturally certain cultures, especially Mm -hmm. coming from the Asian culture as women, you know, it wasn't, you didn't really have as many of the rights as like my boy cousins did or my male cousins, or, you know, just even at the dinner table, you weren't allowed to speak your truth. Mm -hmm. Whereas in other cultures, you know, you're, you are taught to start, you know, just, um, having debate and dialogue. Well, that That wasn't welcome. So Mm -hmm. a lot of this will actually inform your resiliency because when you get into college or high school, or you may not want to share your truth, Mm -hmm. or you might have a different experience. But again, these are parts of your upbringing that we can get to make peace with once we're aware. And that adds and contributes to our bounce factor. How Mm -hmm. able are we to bounce when crises happens, unexpected happens, right? So that's the first. Second part is, Your current environment. So, in the last few years, we got a little bit complacent. You know, we were working Mm -hmm. inside our homes, things got cozy. I got to wear pajamas every time I was, you know, doing my Zoom calls Mm -hmm. and teaching and things like that. And we all did that, right? Mm -hmm. And many times, we still have those habits, right? Watching Netflix from 5 p.m. or when the kids go down, we're not really challenging ourselves as much as we did. And so in order to stretch and expand and grow and create new neural pathways, of course, Mm -hmm. we've got to be doing things that are providing good stress. So that's our current environment. That's what we can control. So when parents ask, you know, how can kids build good, resiliency. Well, you don't have to expose them to, you know, going to Africa or India, even my, my husband's like, well, we need to take our kids back to India because he's Indian, Um, you know, to, to, to teach them like the resiliency and the grit. And I'm like, well, that's a point, but you don't have to do that. What you can do is expose them to good stressors. And what is that? It could be, you know, going through, signing up for a volunteer organization, um, you know, making meals at a soup kitchen. Again, these are stretching opportunities, right? For you, it could look like a physical one is very easy. It could look like taking a cold shower for 10 seconds or, you know, jumping in one of those like cold plunges or, Mm -hmm. you know, filling your bathtub with ice. Cause I know not everyone's going to want to do that, but are there benefits that? Sure. They've shown signs of like increased longevity and recovery and better sleep and all these things, but do we do it? No. Right. And so, so what are opportunities of good stress? Number two, that you can actually utilize. And for, for those that are, you know, pivoting or in transition or wanting Mm -hmm. to call in more abundance, maybe it's saving more money. Maybe it's expanding and thinking bigger for yourself, good stretch zones, finding expanders for yourself of people who've done something and actually practicing that thing, mm-hmm. going out and sharing your message with three people, going live on IG and just, you know, with without any notes, mm-hmm. right? To experience that discomfort, but then growing as a result of that, right? So that's good stress. The third aspect is our emotional capacity. And this is something that is for many the hardest because we're so used to numbing. We're so used mm-hmm. to avoiding. We're so used to when people say, How are you doing? Wow, that must be that must have been really tough for you. And we're so used to just brushing it off. Yeah, it happens to everyone. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yep. That and and I know that because for years when people would say and acknowledge the pain and hurt that I must have went through, I was like, yeah, I took it like a champion. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It was. It was. You know, everyone goes through it, right? Okay, not everyone went through that. Mm-hmm. And so to to validate your own experiences of those hardships, and it's so tough to be able to sit in that suck, mm-hmm. which is why it's easy. To, brush it off. It's easy to bury it. It's easy to swipe up, swipe right and left and get that dopamine going. Yet your emotional capacity to feel, to feel the feels when it's discomforting, to feel, you know, the duality and the bigness of both emotions, the excitement and you know, the nervousness or the fear and uh, the joy and the love, you know, all of those things combined, which is why we do experience it as mothers, Mm -hmm. you know, for the first time, it's, it is complex. It's all complex. You want your kid to go to bed, but then an hour later, you're watching them on their, on your phone, Mm -hmm. you know, as if you hadn't seen them. And so, and that's the, that's the plight of every, every parent, it Mm -hmm. seems like, right? So that's, allowing yourself to stretch and feel those discomforting feelings as we would for our children. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, and then the last part of that is your self-awareness. And this is the radical self-awareness. This is the piece where we get to integrate and we get to align ourselves. We get to see, is that really in in alignment with us right now? Like, Mm. The people that I'm hanging out with are—are are they actually really okay for me, or are they toxic? Are they actually really
0: mm-hmm. going to be
1: supporting me? Should I really be trusting my gut here because I'm feeling something that I haven't felt before? That's really allowing yourself to feel and to to check in with yourself. Mm, should I say no to that thing, or should I actually push myself and say yes? Did I say too many yeses to events this week Mm -hmm. where I can actually pull back and do something self-nourishing for me right now? And so that's building that self-awareness muscle, which we all have. It's just a matter of literally tuning in and noticing what feels a little bit off so that you can make decisions Mm -hmm. accordingly that will suit you.
0: I there are so many things that I was just sitting here like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, with all of that. And I think that, you know, gosh, the emotional piece, when you were talking about our emotional capacity that I was just sitting, even yesterday, I had sessions back to back from eight 30 to 7 PM. And, you know, I make my own schedule and that was my doing, but I could feel my own emotional capacity decreasing. And so, um, I ended up taking a break, you know, doing what I could in between my sessions and, um, but every single client that I had, we discussed what is the emotion that that made you feel. And the amount of times that I asked this question is astounding because, and it's not a judgment in any way but rather this awareness like you said of again building that self-awareness but bringing it back of you're right we shy away as really a society to these uncomfortable emotions because we don't know how to sit in the discomfort and be okay that that's the case um so I love that you shared those pieces and I was just you know thinking about okay yep I'm noticing where the self-awareness piece is coming in I'm noticing the emotional capacity. I'm noticing just kind of all these factors that you're discussing. So um, I, for one, am super excited to read your book. Um, And then (laughs) I do want to ask, kind of to wrap up this conversation, I know there's so many different things that I could ask you and keep discussing, but where does one truly begin healing after a sucky moment? After, you know, you are kind of at this place, we've talked a little bit about these coping skills and kind of the progression, but how do we implement that? Mm. How do we shift into the space of where it's different?
1: Yes, yes. So, and, and I won't get into part two of the book In part two. So part one is really understanding your bounce factor, but part mm-hmm. two is understanding, okay, When you have a fall and when something big, monumental, life-changing happens, that's the first stage Mm. of flying forward. Mm. That means that, okay, you've had a rock bottom moment, you've had a life initiation, you've had something, you're embracing the suck. And in order to embrace the suck, we first have to acknowledge that it sucked. Mm. And we have to acknowledge where does it suck in our body? Because Mm. sometimes for many of us, it's in our back. It's We're carrying this tension headache or Mm -hmm. we're carrying, you know, knots in our shoulders and we're not able to sleep for a while. So really paying attention to how is it affecting me? Mm -hmm. How is it affecting the people around me? But then we have to then move into, okay, how can I release this? And Mm -hmm. which is why I talk about several different ways on somatically being able to release it talking it out, you know, feeling the emotion, making peace with it so that we're integrating it back into ourselves. And then also getting into the framework of being able to take action. So if it's, you know, saying yes to help, if it's calling a girlfriend um, and several different ways, if it's. Forgiving yourself. And sometimes that's the hardest thing. And I think that, you know, I, I go over in, you know, the, the second part of the book. And actually, for those of you who want to pre order the book at what.com, there's actually three bonuses. And the first bonus that you'll get is a 40 page guidebook. Uh, that takes you through several different journal prompts and questions so that you can actually start making peace with some of the baggage that we've carried for years and decades and decades. And so it's literally like your own little, you know, therapeutic handbook while you actually going through the exercises in that suck. Now what? And then we have a five-day healing practice journey. And this is visualizations, affirmations, meditations that take you through from day one, we're working on healing relationships. Day two, we're working on healing the triggers that we've had in our past to build courage and bravery so that we're not repeating them, right? Day three, we're talking about abundance Mm -hmm. and how to call that forth in once we released all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then day four, it's building that grit and resiliency back into our lives. And day five, we're ending it with connecting back to Mm ourselves. And then of course, the third thing is a a virtual uh, gathering uh, during the book launch of uh, January 31st. So So, yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. I'm excited. I'm definitely going to jump over to pre-order that because I feel like everything you know, you're know you discussing in this book is really so incredibly needed, like you said, at this time in our lives. Um, I think that COVID kind of turned everything upside down and it had really positive things for that. And it also had really negative things for that. And we need to kind of figure out how to get back to dealing with that and really addressing what it caused and what the reactions were that, you know, with everything else that it affected in ourselves. So, um, I'm really excited for our listeners. I am going to put, um, that information so that the link in the episode notes so that you can hop over and pre-order as well. Um, and I just want to say thank you so much. I feel like I, like I said, I could keep asking you a million things, but I want to be respectful of your time as well as our listeners time. Um, so thank you so much, Dr. Anita for coming on and sharing with us today. Oh,
1: my gosh, Caitlin. Well, I have a special gift for your listeners because you all are moms. Uh, If you go to Mm globalgrit.co forward slash EG guidebook, this is just for your listeners. And this is my very first Mastering Emotions workbook that has been with, you know, several thousand students around the world. But it is a mini guide to jumpstart just having that time and peace to start reconciling some of the emotions that we've, you know, agreed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you can you can grab that and uh, and at the link as
0: well in the show notes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And uh, for our listeners, I appreciate you guys taking the time to hang out and listen with us today. Um, Head over to those links and as always, subscribe, rate and review. Let us know what you liked. Um, If you had any questions or anything like that, also put them in there and have a beautiful rest of your day. Bye guys. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.